Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the In Lockdown with podcast with me, Kim Fitzgerald. Today my guest is Harry Bryant, he's an actor. Hi Harry, how's it going? Hey, I'm good thanks, how are you? Not too bad, uh, lockdown's dragging on a bit now, it's, it's getting to the yeah. point. Where yeah, I feel... It's not that people are getting fed up of it, I don't think. It's just kind of going on and on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, it, it, it's for the right reasons, but, you know, three months worth is, uh, is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Especially for creative people, because we can't really work or do what we normally do. But we'll yeah. be a chain ring to go if there's an industry to go back to. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. I mean, at the moment, it's definitely struggling. Just yeah. have to hope that the support system is there when uh, everything comes back. Hopefully. Just have to keep everything crossed, I guess. Um, yeah. I want to start where I always start with these things and ask you how you first got interested in theatre and the arts. So, um, up until about 16, I did no theatre. Um, I, I enjoyed going to the theatre, like as a family we'd go to the theatre and enjoyed watching it, but I had no interest in performing until I started doing it with a youth group. And I, right. we, I just started doing it to sort of build up my self-confidence and meet other people. Um, and then I just sort of got this taste for it and I enjoyed the buzz, I enjoyed the atmosphere. I enjoyed everything about it, so I sort of got a bit hooked after that, and I haven't stopped since about the age of sixteen. And when did it? When did you think? Oh, I want to do this professionally. I want to be an actor. Probably about the age of nineteen. It was after the first run of Humanicum we did, mm. and um, I. It was sort of the first, I'd say, professional sort of gig I did yeah. and I I just really enjoyed the feedback I got from the audience, I enjoyed the process of it all and I enjoyed just almost having that escapism from mm. my everyday life and I was like, you know what, I, I want to do this, like, I enjoy it, I have so much fun, if I can make it in this industry, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> And were you considering doing anything else? Was there anything else on your mind that was kind of conflicting with that? Yeah, so, um, I mean, even now, I'm, I've decided to train as a paramedic, which is like, 
Right. Arts related, but it's still got that adrenaline sort of feeling. Um, so I'm sort of training it to have as my like everyday yeah. job as a fallback in case you know the arts sort mm. of crumble um, or I'm not making enough money to sustain mm. myself. Um, but I, I think I need that almost adrenaline job. I can't just be in an office on, mm. on one of those. It's something different every day and something that sort of spurs you on. I, I understand that. So have you, have you started your training already? Uh, so September I'm going uh, back to college. So, I mean, I'm staying going back. It could be online with everything going on. But uh, I'm, I'm going back to college in September and then it will be about maybe another two years until I get into uni and then... So about five years, but obviously if if I get an acting job that really sort of takes me off, then I probably will postpone the education mm. for that until I'm a less busy, but yeah. I don't really know. I'm not, I'm not one of these that needs to know what's going to happen in the future. I just sort of roll with the punches and we'll, we'll see what happens. That can be a good thing sometimes, I think. Yeah, no, I think definitely in this country. Too fixed. Um, and you didn't go to uni or drama school to study. Acting. Do you think that's affected you at all um, in terms of breaking into the industry as an actor? I think it didn't give me the connections with people in the industry. I sort of had to form them as I went along. I didn't just finish a uni course with a list of like almost contacts that yeah. I could use. Um, and I, I have had to sort of learn skills and um, sort of techniques through my jobs. Mm. I sort of go in there and almost let the director lead me somewhat. I did do a, a course with National Youth Theatre Wales and that really helped give me some sort of techniques to then take into the industry. But I sort of, you know, I'm open when I go into a job. I'm like, give me critiques, give me whatever. Um, but I, I think I just almost through watching theatre and watching TV and film, I've picked up, mm. like, skills through that rather than picking it up through training. So, yes and no, it's been difficult to get the contacts side of the, the industry, yeah. but I haven't had it really hinder me much. I suppose these drama schools, some of them do produce a certain type of actor. Like a manufactured version of an actor. If you not having been to drama school, you can go into that room with a fresh approach, maybe a different yeah. way of looking at a text than someone who's been to one of these big drama schools like Royal Welsh or Arda. Yeah, yeah, I don't necessarily think uh, people who have gone through drama school make better actors. I, I think. It depends who teaches you, because the person who teaches you might have something that might teach you something that the director you're working with does not agree mm. with. So it's it's not always the best route. Like if you want to go that route, then fair enough. But I don't think you need to go into drama school or need no. to have professional in order to make it as an actor. And so often it's portrayed as the only way, and yeah. it just shows that that's not necessarily the case. Um, yeah. But like you said about contacts, they're so important. 
Like me. Yeah. Um, so how did you first become involved with Mass and Mass? And what opportunities did you get from them that you hadn't had before? Yeah, so I met Mess up through Mess when I was working with Transform Cumbry, uh, right. which was a group set up for young trans people in Wales. Um, and I went to a workshop with Transform Cymru, who were working with Mess Up at the time. And um, we watched a show that Mess Up did. And then I was told about this idea that we were going to make a theatre piece based on our experiences as young mm. trans people in Wales. Um, and that was my first taste of Mess Up. So I'd had, I'd had some theatre sort of experience before. I wasn't going into it completely blind in the mm. theatre world. Um, but I really liked the idea the group of people we were working with was great. Um, and it was just exciting to almost mm. be the ones who could choose how the play was going to be. Because the other plays, although we chose sort of the storyline and whatnot, we were the ones literally writing it and yeah. being the sole creators. Um, and as for experiences, well, I mean, I've done a lot of theatre shows with Mess Up. I've, mm. I've met friends for life through them um and then obviously we went on to do a professional humanitarian piece in the welsh millennium center yeah so yeah the experiences have been incredible and through that i then through that piece i then found my agent so i think mess up really helped me take mm. my uh career to like another level and i'm i'm grateful for them for doing that um yeah and was there a moment of realisation within that? Maybe it came when you were performing at the WMC that that feeling of being on stage that maybe you hadn't had before or not to that scale. Do you know what I mean? That was really yeah. clumsily worded, but... Yeah, I said, well, I think just the fact that I was performing in the Wales Millennium Centre yeah. was like... Uh, it was, you know, it was a bit surreal because I'd only really performed in sort of not like off the beaten track sort of theatres, you know, like little theatres. Um, so to be in the Wales Millennium Centre, the like home of theatre for Wales was was a bit like, yeah, it, was, yeah. it wasn't scary. It was it was exciting. Right. And it was fun. But yeah, it was that moment of being like, holy, holy shit, like I'm, I'm performing in a major theatre in Wales in front of a sold, like a sellout audience mm. of 200 people. Like, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was exciting. Yeah, I bet. And I want to talk about humanity because it developed over a number of years, didn't it? Yeah. So if we kind of go back to the inception of the piece and the early development of it, what was that like yeah. to be involved in, first of all? Um, yeah, so obviously before it became a professional, professional piece, it was a, a piece with Storm Cymru and, and Youth Cymru and Mess Up as a mm. collaboration. Um, and we're, we're talking years ago, I don't know the exact year, but it was, it was a few <laughs> years ago. Um, and we were we did all our like R&D and like pretend in like a little hall. Right. Um, and it was just like a group of us having fun 
but also getting to almost vent about the struggles, but mm. vent in a really constructive way instead of just almost venting and ranting and not really having anything to do with those sort of thoughts. It was nice that we could put it into a piece to then show to people and be like, listen, this is sort of what we're going through. This is what we need you to do. It was almost like a, a come listen, this is how to almost mm. better your life to help trans people. Um, and, you know, we're, we're talking five years ago-ish where sort of being trans wasn't spoken about as freely mm. as it is now. Um, so it was almost like the first sort of, especially in Wales that I'd seen, almost first like theatre show that was solely around trans people and yeah. had a sort of trans cast you know, had trans people writing it from the start. So I think it was quite groundbreaking in that sense of, it was almost like you you as an audience member are there to listen to us. You're not there to almost enjoy the show. You're there to like listen and try and better yourself to help us. Yeah, and, and I understand that, but the only thing I would say in response to that is, is there a danger that then it becomes more of something that you're not kind of, I'm going to say preaching, that you're kind of informing an audience rather than it being a performance and a piece of, of entertainment. Was it difficult to get that balance between the two things? Yeah, so we had to obviously put in comedy pieces and fictional pieces to almost lighten the mood so it wasn't just a an hour piece of us spouting, like, as you said, like, just information at them. So we, we had to do it in a performative way and a, and a fun way as well. We didn't want it to be, even though we were like, you're here to listen to us, you're here to better yourself to help us, we didn't want the audience to feel like that was the message. Yeah. We wanted them to feel like they were there to see a theatre show, but through seeing this theatre show, they get the message to help us and all yeah. that. So there was a sort of balance of serious parts mixed with fun parts. So it did have that lighter feel about it. And and you're working with, with the writer Kelly Jones. Was it Kelly Jones? Um, who is not trans. Do you, yes. think, do you think that made a difference in terms of the play would it have been a different play if there was a trans writer attached i don't know because she so like for the first so those two obviously two humanicans we're speaking about the first one now uh she very much took everything we saw like literally everything we said and almost wrote it word for word right. pretty much i was finding out the bits um so it was our words anyway she was just the like relayer and like obviously she did add bits and when she did an incredible job but it was very much our own words and as for the second humanikin the one formed in wales millennium center yeah. and it was she listened to our experiences and what we had to say and she also like um came to us like with a with the first mm. draft and 
the one and was like, is this okay? Like, is there anything that isn't okay? Is there anything you want to change? So it was very much we were involved in the writing process anyway. So mm-hmm. I think even though she is a cis writer, it was an all, it was an all queer like uh, cast and crew anyway. So right. there was no straight cis people there. Um, but we very much did have a say in what was written. So I think she did an incredible job and she made sure mm. to run it by us. So there wasn't any problems. Um, I wouldn't be able to say if it was different if a trans writer no, wrote it. I, 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 as it was, I don't think I'd change it. So I, I was happy enough with, with what was written. Were there any differences between, as you say, the first version and the second version of the play? Yeah, there's a lot of differences. Um, it almost wasn't the same play. It was almost completely rewritten. Um, the first one was very much... Uh, it wasn't... It had fiction elements to it, but it was we were telling our own stories throughout the right. show. Though so it was very much a personal project, whereas the second one was completely fiction. Even though it had some experiences of us, mm. it was very much just a fictional story with fictional characters. So... There was a big difference in that sense. Obviously, it was an all-trans cast with trans stories, but it was almost non-fiction and fiction. So there was a there was a big difference. And when you were telling your own story on stage, was that easier or more difficult than relaying a fictional or a fictionalized version of someone else's experience that was? similar to yours nonetheless, which was kind of easier or more difficult? So the, the relaying my own story was a lot more difficult than doing a fictional piece because obviously when you're relaying your own story, you're really vulnerable. You're just mm. there in front of the crowd telling your life story. Um, there's nowhere to hide. There's no like, oh, this isn't my story, so I don't have to be emotionally connected to it. Because um, even with the fictional, obviously, uh, you have that emotional connection because you're going through similar stuff that your character's going through. But again, you get that, that's my character, that's that's their story. You can push that to the side and go, it's not me, it's them. Whereas when it's your own story, it's just, hello, this is me. I'm standing in front of yeah. you. This is my life. And it's it's very daunting. It You feel vulnerable you haven't got that uh, emotional disconnect, so it's quite draining in that sense because you're almost reliving it as you tell it. Um, So for me, telling your own story is a lot more difficult than telling someone else's. I guess when you go home at the end of a day of rehearsals, you can leave a character in the room, whereas you take your own self, your own story, you take that home with you. And that, yeah, that is with you for the whole time of that, that process. Yeah. Um, how, how difficult was it when you did the fictionalised version um, to separate the experiences of the character from your own experiences? Um, it, for me, it was it was it wasn't difficult because I hadn't gone through exactly everything my character had gone through. I knew people who had gone through it, um, but 
it wasn't my exact story. So although it hit home, mm. it wasn't something that was so close to my life that I couldn't, like you said, leave it at the door. It was, while I was in the room, it was draining. And after the day of like performing and rehearsing, I was, I was exhausted. But I went home, I switched off, I relaxed. And then the next day I was ready to go again. Um, so it wasn't too difficult, but it was harder than doing something that wasn't as personal to me because yeah. the story was still personal. And it was, it was hard-hitting subjects as well. You know, we're dealing with death and, like, um, prejudice and, like, almost abuse towards trans people. It was It was a lot to deal with, but... I did manage to sort of leave it at the door and go home and relax. I guess that's the kind of discipline and process that you've got to have as an actor, just yeah. to maintain that kind of level. Um, and in terms of the reception that it got for audiences, were you happy with that? Were you happy with how it was received? And did anything surprise you about the way it was received? Yeah. Um, I don't think I was surprised, because obviously everyone was really moved by it. Everyone was, like, ready to go and change the world after it, which is what we wanted. We wanted people to almost get upset because we're dealing with, like, issues that affect every like trans people every day so it's even though it's a fictional piece it's based on real issues that are happening in the world so and you almost you want people to get upset because it means you've done a good job even though you're like you shouldn't want people to get upset you're still like if they feel yeah. emotions towards the piece then you've done your job so i pretty much only heard good things from it obviously there were some critics but we don't talk about them yeah. they're just you know <laughs> they have to sort of be to do their job um but most of the reception was good. They were like, yes, it, like, it moved me. I, I cried. I want to do better for trans people. Um, so I wasn't surprised because they reacted the way we hoped they reacted. Yeah. But it was really nice to hear that so many people were moved and everyone I spoke to after the shows were like, that was amazing. Like, you know, hats off to you. Like it was incredible, which was it's lovely to hear, and that's what I like Absolutely. about theatre as well. Is you get to you get to hear your audience's feedback straight away. Mm. You don't wonder what people think about your piece. It was as soon as you're yeah. done, you get to hear what people that, feel. That not validation, but that kind of empowerment of what you've done is is a good thing. Yeah, um, definitely. And and then if anyone has any critiques you can then work on them you're like okay so this is something we need to work on which is nice you always use the audience's feedback to improve your work mm. the only thing i would say about that is that anyone who who is transphobic is not going to go and see that play so how yeah. how do you change their minds how do you tap into to their conscience with a piece like Uranica and what what can 
what can we do? Because people are all transphobic. They, they would never go and see that yeah. way. Whatever the situation was. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, you you can't force them to come see a play. You can't trick them and say, well, this is a play about, you know, dogs. And then they come in and they're like, wait, where's the dogs? You yeah. Know? So you almost have to hope that people who have gone to see the play will then almost, like, challenge any transphobic behaviour mm. that they see in it. Obviously, I'm not expecting people to go out and literally challenge strangers off the street because, you know, that's dangerous. But if, you know, their family member says a comment that might be transphobic or, you know, their partner says something, you know, you, you hope that they go, actually, that's that's not okay to say. Yeah. Like, you know, and you almost have to rely on your cis allies as well as your trans brothers and sisters and siblings to almost help challenge that stigma mm. and challenge that behaviour. And if if through that play the cis person now has the confidence to like call out transphobia or any type of discrimination that is you haven't changed their minds really but you've given them a confidence to call out transphobia whereas before seeing that play they wouldn't have had the confidence to say that's transphobic. Yeah, definitely. And I think also when you go and see a play you see you see how those issues affect characters and you see how those issues mm. affect human. I think it hits home a bit more like because obviously yeah. you hear about it you don't really experience how it affects people and when you go to see a show you get to experience how that sort of that mindset affects mm. human it's so easy to skip over a news story in the paper or on the news whereas if you see that being portrayed on stage you're in it you're experiencing it yeah definitely. so that's i think where the impact is made yeah Um, do you feel that there are enough, this is a bit of a lonely question, but do you feel that there are enough opportunities for trans actors within the industry? And, and like, are the portrayals of trans people that we do have authentic, in your opinion, or is there more that needs to be done? Yeah, so um, I think now there's a lot more opportunities for trans people. Um, in the industry as long as they employ trans actors which is the issue that a lot of trans people are trans actors especially are facing at the moment there's these trans characters being portrayed on screen and theatre but they're given to cis actors rather right. than trans actors um, so it's almost having that conversation and being like no you, 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 you wouldn't give I mean some people do but you wouldn't give a disabled character role to someone who's able-bodied I mean, they, they do I mean my like, community has been facing this for the last 50 years so I no, I understand this anger that the trans community have because it's still happening to people like me and it's still happening to people like you that there yeah. is misrepresentation but then the argument that's always pitted against that is, 
Oh well, we're, don't they cast the best actor for the role? Really? Yeah, but if they look hard enough, it's almost like they don't look hard enough. They go, oh, we've seen two trans actors, they're shit, we'll give it to yeah. someone who's cis because they do a better job. If you look hard enough and you try hard enough, you will find those disabled, trans, you know, gay actors to play those roles. And yeah. I think it it gives a more... I mean, obviously, they can rely on personal experiences, which gives mm. the character and the performance just that little bit of something special. A bit more like, authenticity is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think it really... You can tell that when a trans actor is playing a trans role, almost how how involved they get because it's personal to them. Yeah. So I think, though there's more opportunities there's still a lot of work to be done with actually allowing trans actors to play trans roles. Do you think the stories that are being told about trans people are always authentic? Because from my personal point of view, from what I've seen from disabled characters in TV, film and theatre, there's always like one of three storylines. Either they're inspirational and overcoming their disability or they're, they're starting to be pitied or you know they're like evil or bad that stereotype is raining a bit now and again yeah with trans people i guess what i've seen you can comment more on this than i can but there's a lot about the actual act um experience of transitioning but not really life as a trans person where the story doesn't really have anything to do with being trans do you know what i mean yeah definitely i i i i'm just in the same boat i i feel exactly the same in the sense of it's almost like the sole storyline of a trans character is that they're trans when you know that's not what we want to see we don't want we we deal with that turmoil every day of our lives when we're trying to transition we don't want to then see us on screens going through all that pain it's like we want to just see a happy story about a character who just happens to be trans and that's sort of what we want to do with humanity even though it did did play on the transphobia and the the sort of sad side of being trans we didn't want to do the whole transition storyline we didn't want to go down mm. the route of this is a character they're going to transition. Oh, it's really hard. Like pull them, like you know. And that's oh, yeah. unfortunately what you see a lot on screen is trans characters who are denied transition or their their family don't agree with them. You know, whereas just you want to just see a character who maybe is dealing with a different issue yeah. and they just happen trans. Definitely. It's, it's sort of... And, and these, these stereotypes enforce a perception of trans people that isn't real, you know? Yeah. They enforce um, a perception of people like you, Harry, that, you're, you know, that you haven't got struggles or conflicts outside of being trans, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's, and a lot of trans people don't even want to transition. They're happy just presenting as their, you know, their gender in everyday yeah. life, or they might not have the funds to transition, or they're not in the right sort of environment. And 
it's almost like it puts down that thing of unless you fully transition and you're unrecognisable by the end of it, then <laughs> you're not trans. And again, yeah. it's that it's that wave of transphobia to be like, well, you're not trans because you're not on hormones or you haven't had surgery. And, and that's not the case. Trans people, no matter what stage of their transition, yeah. whether it be socially, physically, is they're still trans. It yeah. doesn't matter. And... and... Do you get that kind of within within the trans community? Is there, is there a thing of kind of not being trans enough? I might be going at the wrong angle here, but do you get that? No, it, it is an issue. Um, you get what you call what we call uh, true, like true scum, which is almost like slang for people who in the trans community are trans themselves, but they think you're not trans unless you've had some sort of medical transition right. um or like they think like non-binary people don't exist like there's a, there's still a lot of binaryism within the trans community you get trans people who are like no there are still only two genders male or female like you do get those kind of people and it's it almost it, it makes no sense to my brain i'm like well how can you be trans and like not understand gender you know <laughs> but yeah you do get those in the trans community that's uh, that. Uh, yeah. On the one hand, a... on the one hand, that surprises me, but on the other hand, it really doesn't surprise me at all. Oh, but so you still have transphobia within the trans community. It's it's wild. It's yeah. There's loads of ableism within the disabled community as well. It's just... Yeah, it's it blows my mind when stuff like that happens. It's like, how do you not understand? You're literally, you are trans, like understand yeah. gender it's like you're disabled you should understand struggles like yeah <laughs> um i'm gonna move on um i'm gonna ask you when, when you've been cast as a character what yeah. is your approach to preparing for that role does it kind of depend on what the project is or do you have a set process every time um, it depends on the process. So I've I've had some roles where there's obviously there's no R and D like especially with TV and film. You just get given a script. You get maybe a short summary of your character. Um, normally before the audition, you get like a sort of set summary of the character, and you get given a scene to do. Yeah. Um. So if if that's the case, I sort of play around with the scene. I I do it in different ways. I sort of. Yeah, just, just have fun with it, and then I decide on the route up I want to take. Um, it's much more easier to play a character that you've you've helped build within an R&D. Mm. You almost get to really know the character inside and out, and you get to portray it a lot easier. I find it a lot more easier to slip into that character when you've, when you've helped build them and you, you know their almost backstory. Unfortunately, with a lot of TV and film, especially if you're not doing series or several films, yeah. you don't know your character. You just play them once and then, yeah, they're shrugged off. Yeah. And I think it's really difficult to almost play them authentically because you haven't got time to get to know them. Whereas yeah. in theatre, you, you have a lot of time to get to know your character because you, you do rehearsals. You, obviously, there's R&Ds a lot of the time for theatre, you get to really build and play with your character and I really enjoy that side of sort of character building is just having this character and you get to just run wild with it. And, and um, 
is, is there a different approach um, you take when you're acting for TV or film compared to when you're acting for theatre? Yes, it's sort of, with theatre it's one take, you get one take, mm. if you mess it up, you mess it up, and I really enjoy that discipline side of it, like you have to learn a whole script, and there's you know, no room for error. TV, you you only have to learn like a scene at a time, and then you, re- you redo it about <laughs> ten times, it's, it's almost like you don't really, I don't, I do enjoy some TV and film, like it is fun, but when you have to redo the scene, like, ten times mm. and it's raining, it's freezing cold. Like in one of my films I get milkshakes thrown over me and like yeah. I had to do that scene like three times. It was in the middle of November in London. I was freezing. I was sticky. It was <laughs> like it was not fun. Um but I I really enjoy that just you you learn a script. And you've got the discipline of having to do it perfect for your audience. So there is a different approach in the sense of learning the script and almost the the adrenaline as well. Like I don't get much adrenaline when doing TV and film because it get like I said, you have to you do yeah. the scene several times and it almost gets a bit old by the by the last few takes. Whereas theatre it's like you don't have a chance to go, Yeah, sorry, I messed up, can we redo that? It's, it's quite again I think you do a more authentic performance mm-hmm. when you when you're just doing it on one take is that thing of being in front of an audience it being live and you yeah. for me at least you kind of feed off the reactions of an audience as well and you know the difference between a good audience and a bad audience whereas yeah. I imagine with film and TV you don't get that it's you a camera and what are you playing to yeah exactly you've only just got your co-star to bounce off and that's yeah. what a co-star theme. um and again like you don't get that sort of unless you go on twitter after the episode's aired or the film's been put out you don't get to see what people think of it yeah. like even if millions of people watch it you don't know that millions of people have watched it like unless you again you google it but no one's got time for that like i don't think i've ever googled no. After I've been in an episode <laughs> film, like Google what people think, because I'm like, well, they can tell me if they see me, you know. But with theatre, you immediately get that response, which is really nice. You get you get to talk to people after the show. You get to react. You know, that's like one of my favorite. Like I love it. Yeah, and, and it's theatre's an event. Like it happens in one place on one night. Whereas I guess so. Yeah. Film and TV is so disjointed. By the time yeah. it, it goes out, it's months and months after you filmed the original scene. Yeah. Or and also, like, with theatre, like you're you're living that life. You're living in that play for yeah. like eight hour days. Whereas with TV, you might only be on set for like an hour, and then the next day you're on set for two hours. So you almost don't have time to really get into that world. Yeah. Because as soon as you done and you're going home. <laughs> um, recently you've been involved with the Hamlet Project, also in Bonus yeah. which I was involved in as well. Can you talk a little bit about the project and what your expectations were going into it 
and whether it kind of lived up to those expectations? Yeah, so um, I went into it a bit blind. Like I, although I've done some Shakespeare in high school, I didn't enjoy it. Mm. Uh, I probably, it was forced upon you, you know, everything in school isn't enjoyable when it's you're made to do it. Um, and I hadn't really read much Shakespeare apart from that. I did a few, I've done like a piece for an audition once, but, and funnily enough, I chose Hamlet, just out of the <laughs> Um, so I didn't really have a love for Shakespeare, but I wanted to appreciate Shakespeare because it's a big part of theatre, whether you like it or not. You know, Shakespeare almost made theatre the way it is. Yeah. Um, so I I wanted to get that new sort of appreciation for it. So I did go into it blind, uh, not really sure of what what was happening or where it was going. I just went into it with an open mind. Um and I, I had so much fun. Obviously, we did the, like, few workshops in the Wales Millennium Centre with the Cardiff group. And then I know there was a residency uh, sort of around Christmas time. But I didn't, I didn't end up going because I was doing another show. Um, and then we did a few more workshops. And then there was another residency which up in North Wales, which yeah. was nice. And it was, it, was, it was really interesting to almost see how each individual person sort of viewed the story of Hamlet in a different way. Yeah. And we got to share everything and have fun and almost make little mini theatre pieces together based around this world of Hamlet. And it wasn't necessarily in the in the stereotypical, you read a script, you relay the script. It was like we just took a different, complete spin on it and we just, we had the base of the story and we just, whether it's through music or dance mm. or scenes, like just relaying this story, but in a completely abstract way. In- interpretation was the most important thing about that project. Every individual in that room brought a different set of experiences, which yeah. kind of... It- influenced the way that they interpreted the the script and all the story of Hamlet. Yeah, and it's really interesting listening and then going, and then almost like seeing how they viewed it and going, oh yeah, I can see that. Like, yeah. I didn't think of that, but yeah, that makes sense. It was it was really refreshing. And by the end of it, I, I actually got Shakespeare. Like, I understood wow. how to read Shakespeare. I almost had a new found respect for Shakespeare and it almost made it enjoyable which was lovely was that a bit daunting for you going into it the fact that having this 500 year old text that you had to was that daunting for you yeah definitely i mean it, again like doing it with other people helped a lot because mm-hmm. even if you didn't understand it someone else might and then they can explain it to you and it was nice in a it was a very um open environment like nobody judged you for not understanding it was like if you didn't understand you could just ask and someone would be like oh hey it it just means this and then it'd be like oh okay that's that's cool so it was daunting before i knew everyone in the group because i was like what happens if there's a real shakespeare nerd who almost looks down upon you for not understanding like once i once i met the group i was like nah it's all good like great fun yeah, you were the one. I was like, oh, Kieran, yeah. man. Like, uh, if you got one thing wrong, I'd be like, oh, I mean. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown With. The podcast is written, produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald.
Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.